I am so excited today to be joined by Pat Flynn. He is a podcaster, he writes over at Smart Passive Income, and he's helped thousands of entrepreneurs kind of get their business going. And I've got your little book up here in the background. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I see it. Will it fly? So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. Happy to help. I really wanted to invite you because I've heard you you speak about this before, but early in your career, you had kind of, how should I say, a very enthusiastic hater yes. that went at you with a lot of gumption. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah. One day I woke up and this is as the business was starting to take off. I started to get on a lot of podcasts to be interviewed to help a lot of people. And I saw, you know, thousands of positive comments. It felt really great. But on this particular day, I woke up to probably 100 plus emails. And all these emails were with people who I've worked with or I've been on their show or they've talked to me uh, about me on their blog. And the emails were all saying the exact same thing. Hey, Pat, there's this guy who is just saying some really mean things about you on my blog or on this podcast uh, in the comment section. And so I went to one of them and I read it and it was the most hurtful, most just directly disrespectful to a point where they were talking about the clothes I was wearing and how I was a fake and a fraud and a con artist and just all the names you can imagine were thrown at me. And so, of course, all these friends were really helpful because they were supportive and they wanted to just get rid of the comments so they weren't there anymore. But the damage had already been done. Emotionally, I felt very hurt because I just couldn't imagine why anybody would say such a thing. And it got to a point where it just started to eat me up so much inside that I actually just stopped working entirely. I couldn't risk putting myself out there anymore because of how hurtful this was. And it got to a point even after a couple of weeks of just kind of, again, yes, these comments were deleted, but more would pop up to a point where maybe I actually started to believe what this person was saying a little bit. I couldn't imagine any other reason why this person would say such things if it wasn't true, perhaps. I kind of went down a deep, dark hole for sure. And I'm very grateful because I got some really good help from friends who were so supportive. They reached out to me to see how I was doing because I hadn't posted anything in a very long time. And one of my friends, Derek, was very angry at me. And I said, why are you angry at me? Because I need support right now. I don't need anybody to be angry at me. Like, I'm already getting hate from this guy. And he goes, I'm angry at you because you're letting this one person affect all the great work that you've done and all the people that you need help with. And he said these words specifically, every second you waste thinking about a hater is a second you're taking away from people who need you. And that's when it hit home for me. That's when I realized that I was taking what this person was saying, which again, I couldn't control, but I could control how I could react to it. And the way that I was reacting to it was uh, in a very defensive, very depressing, very perhaps even believable manner. And thankfully, uh, my friend had gotten me off of that and had me realize that it was my fault for taking it that way, because that's a story I told myself about what he was saying. So I eventually started to write again. And, you know, Derek also said, hey, check your inbox and just look up the word thank you in your inbox. And there were like thousands of thank yous. And I've come to learn that as entrepreneurs, we often have this weird math where one negative comment will outweigh tens of thousands of positive comments. So now what I do is I have a folder in my Gmail with all the thank yous. 
that my assistant puts in there. So anytime I get down or start to you know not believe in myself or start to believe what a potential person, a naysayer might say, I can go in there and realize well, I am actually helping people. And those are who I'm stepping up for. That's who I'm showing up for. Fast forward a couple months later, I ended up in a forum where this person, the same exact person, I recognized the avatar and the name existed. And I just reached out to him privately. Typically, we don't want to necessarily start anything. I had gone past this. It had sort of breezed over. I could have just done nothing, but I just needed to know why did you do this? Yeah. And so I reached out to him and I asked him just very authentically, you know, hey, what you said was really hurtful. I know that all of that is not true, but I need to know why you said all those things. And he wrote back and he said, well, you just seem to be somebody who is becoming very well known and was everywhere. I thought it would be an easy way for me to get traffic to my website. Yeah. That's it. And at that point, a part of me was just like wanting to punch the computer screen because I was just <laughs> like, are you serious? Like, that's why I could have helped you get more traffic if you just simply asked me, because that's what I help people do. But then I started to feel a little sorry and very empathetic to a point where I'm like, what happened to you? What in your life got you to a point where you thought that this was okay and this is a way that you can make traffic? Like, I want to help you, but the damage has been done. I'm not going to. Yeah. You lost your chance. And so now when I am receiving those types of comments, and, and they don't happen all the time, but they do happen. And when you put yourself out there and as your brand continues to grow, as you start to define where it is you stand in certain places, that means there's always going to be potentially people standing on the other side who might be very loud and upfront about things. And you have to know that that comes with the territory. But now every time I come across a troll or a hater in any of my groups, comment forums, etc., my first reaction is to just go, wow, what happened? Can I help you? And I've come to learn that. Uh, and I think uh, my good friend Shannon Irvin said this herself, uh, hurt people hurt people. And I try to consider how hurt they are to then try to deflect that onto me. And many times I've tried to help and many times I have. Some of those people have gone on to become super fans of my work, which is a cool ending to many of those stories. It's interesting thinking about their motivations and like trying to, in a sense, empathize of why is a person behaving like this? Are there other ways that you've thought about that and tried to either you've discovered through conversation why they're behaving this way online, or you've just kind of noticed a pattern of why people do this? In the book, I wrote out kind of characters. So there's like haters and there's trolls, but also there's, I call them the CEO of the internet, the person who really believes that they're your boss and they should be able to dictate what you do, how you do it, what your brand's about. And like, if you don't listen to them they think they have the right to fire you. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. actually, you're not my boss. But certain people have these weird ways of interacting. How have you maybe thought about that or tried to make sense of it? I have had a lot of conversations with people who have said certain things. And a lot of them, especially the ones who've become fans, have definitely opened up. And I've come to learn that a lot of it is because somebody did it to them. And if somebody does it to them, they could do it to somebody else. And you notice this with kids oftentimes, and I don't know if this is something that, you know, it's inherent or, or what, but oftentimes we feel that if somebody does something to us, like if a kid uh, trips us or something, that it's okay to now trip them back or to trip somebody else without ever really consciously thinking about the individual and the person and the actual motivations and emotions behind that. It's very simple to do on the internet. 
And that's the other thing. It's very easy to hide behind an avatar or a keyboard. And in many cases, I know that those conversations would never happen if they were in person. And that's another thing I have to remember. Oh, this is just the nature of the internet and all those things boiling up in a person's life to their previous experiences, to any frustrations they might having completely outside of the topic that is being commented on that can then surface in those moments. And when you provide a space for people to say things, they can say those kinds of things too. A lot of it comes from previous experiences, previous conditions that they might have, having been conditioned from other experiences that they've had in the past to either deem something okay or, you know, to just pass forward the negativity because they were a part of it as well. Yeah. I'm going to break this question into a few parts. If they're experiencing this, if they're in the thick of it, let's first talk about how to respond online, like how not to respond, like what's unhelpful and what's a more helpful way to respond publicly. I remember in the book, I talk about the first time I did a guest post on a big curation site and they changed the title of my article. And I don't know if people even read the article. They went straight to the comments and it was like unleashed their anger at that title. And I just feel like I did everything wrong. Like I just made it so much worse. Like I I fought, I defended my article, I defended my ideas, I defended yeah. the the concept. Like I just got into like this fist fight <laughs> online because it was my very first time and I just I didn't know that there's like rules of engagement. What are some of your rules of engagement? Yeah, number one is never to just reactively comment. I think that um, when emotions come into play, oftentimes we may say things that we regret saying or we can make the situation uh, worse, potentially. I think it's important to listen. I think there's a lot of times we have to also define, you know, the difference between, and I'm sure you do in the book, the uh, a troll and a hater versus, you know, somebody who's providing some sort of constructive criticism that you can actually learn from. And that's important too. So if you were to shut down all negativity, that's not good for you either. So I think it's important to number one, listen, and number two, try to determine where there perhaps had been miscommunication. A lot of times when I respond, I often consider that to try and come at it from their perspective. And I often will acknowledge their comment and hear what they're saying. And I think that's a lot of what people actually want. They just want to be heard. Right. They don't necessarily want you to change your mind or agree. They just want to know that you are there and listening and that, you know, that they're heard. So that's number one. Number two, this happens very often in a heated emotional moment after a comment. I might write something and I get everything out and then I delete it. Yeah, I've got it off my chest. I said what (laughs) I need to say, but it's almost like this might be a weird analogy. But if you're driving and somebody cuts you off and you're really angry with them, You give them the middle finger, but it's under the window and they can't see it. (laughs) But it's just like you're just giving it to them for you, really. Yeah. And that's kind of what that feels like sometimes. And sometimes just saying it and then deleting it is enough for me personally to just go, okay, let's move forward from this. There are times when I will reply and respond uh, in a public manner. It's hard to go, okay, well, sometimes those comments lend themselves to really great passive aggressive opportunities to kind of like one up them similar fashion, I'll write it out, I'll have a laugh about it, and then I'll remove it because it's not worth, you know, sometimes trolls just want to stoke the fire and and all they want is the attention. But there are some cases I learned this from Gary Vaynerchuk, where if there's obvious miscommunication, sometimes a well thought out, uh, graceful response, maybe won't change their mind, but at least will get them to understand that, like, wow, you actually do listen, and you do pay attention. Thank you. I don't agree with you still. But thank you. I saw Gary Vaynerchuk do this with his book crushing it. He had replied to every one star comment on Amazon and actually offered to get on the phone with people 
And I don't do that, but I remember watching the comments because I was just I was very curious about that. Most people would say, oh, just ignore the ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. But he actually had a lot of follow up comments after those conversations that were exactly what I just said. Oh, thank you, Gary, for taking the time. It's really cool of you. I still don't agree with you on these points. I still don't like the book, but I like you. And that's kind of different. And so it is going to be within your own comfort zone. I think it's important to understand sort of where you lie. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. I think you need to do what's great for you to do the greatest good for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I had gone through that experience back in 2011, me shelling up and kind of escaping was not the answer to do the greatest good for the most people. What would you recommend kind of behind the scenes? Like if someone's really distraught, that situation, especially it was like normal hater times a hundred. It was, they just went so far out of their way. I actually haven't seen many things like that online since that incident where like they posted a hundred different places, but how can we behind the scenes, like take care of ourselves or is it okay to, you know, take a day off or talk with friends? Like what's a more positive way versus me, I almost quit and you taking three weeks off. Yeah. I mean, for me, this is speaks to the importance of having people around you who can lift you up when you need to be lifted up, some advocates, some support system. For me, it's formal mastermind groups that I'm a part of who I've been together with them for, you know, over 10 years now. And we know each other's businesses in and out. And they've been very key in moments like this where they will help me read the label from outside the bottle, because sometimes we're so deep into our own work and we're, we get so potentially aggressive or reactive with certain situations, somebody on the outside who knows us and who knows how we sort of respond to things can bring to light, you know, reasoning who can bring to light different angles or thoughts about it. And and at least even if anything, be a a shoulder to cry on and some encouragement to continue to move forward through any tough times. I think escaping is fine, but like removing yourself completely forever, not the right answer, but taking a day off, just escaping, taking a breath, meditating on it can be very uh, healthy. That's all perfect. And I think everybody has their own way of uh, healthily reacting to certain situations like this, and you need to find out what works for you. But I think that making drastic decisions immediately as a result of a few loud people is, is never the right way to go. What would you say to the person who's scared either to get going or scared to go bigger because of perfectionism or imposter syndrome, rejection, kind of that inner critic that we, we fear the outer critic, but sometimes that inner critic can be just as detrimental to our progress. For sure. That resistance, as often is spoken about uh, Stephen Pressfield in The War of Art, that is a direct result of often how big we're trying to go. The bigger we're trying to go, the more resistance comes into play. What I love about that book and how I approach it is I actually look for a little bit of that uncomfort now because that shows me that that's the right direction to go. If I was complacent, then I would just be where I am and I wouldn't ever have the opportunity to grow or even help more people. The other analogy I like to use is with relation to fear, with relation to having once been rejected before, Imagine the people who you're trying to help as a business owner, entrepreneur, or even just a person as somebody who's who's drowning, right? They're in the water, they're drowning, they need your help. Would you on a boat say to them, I'm sorry, I'm not going to help you because that person over there rejected me? That doesn't make sense. There are people who need you, who would love to hear from you, who are drowning in some discomfort, some challenge, some struggle of some kind, and you have a potential solution or at least the ability to help people. It would be very selfish, in fact, to say, 
I'm not going to help you even though I want to because of what this other person said. That doesn't make any sense to me. It also doesn't make sense to tell that person who's drowning to say, yeah, I have a lifeline, but I'm afraid to throw it in the water because I've never thrown it in the water before. No, you're going to throw it out there and then throw it again if you miss. And then you're going to throw it again if you miss. It would be very selfish to say, no, I'm, I, I don't want to help you because I'm scared. I would have more regret not helping them. And that what if would just eat me alive in the future versus the, oh, well, you gave it your best shot. So that's what I think about when it comes to moments like this, where, you know, things are hard or uncomfortable or potentially, you know, uh, a struggle. I have to keep going because there's people out there who need me to. Anything specific for imposter syndrome? Because I feel like people deal with it, obviously, when we get started. But a lot of creatives and entrepreneurs that I know, we feel it at every stage of big growth when we step into that next phase Is there a way that you think about imposter syndrome or a way that you move through it? The way that I move through it is, is number one, going back to those who I've I've once helped in some way, shape or form before to essentially just prove that part of my brain that's saying you can't do this or you shouldn't do this wrong. I have a lot of encouragement from uh, small, quick wins as well. Yeah. You know, I think that a lot of us shoot really big and that's great. I mean, we need to shoot big. But at the same time, if we only consider success reaching the end, then it's going to be a while before we have that encouragement. And I think we need encouragement along the way. So breaking up these big goals into a lot more smaller goals and not just reaching those milestones more easily, but also celebrating during those milestones is going to help encourage movement forward to the next one. And celebration doesn't have to be throwing yourself a party and having a cake. It could just simply be acknowledgement of the fact that you've done a great job and that you've actually helped some people, even in a small manner. And that reptilian part of your brain starts to light up when you start to feel a little bit of reward and success to then light you up to move forward to the next milestone and then the next one and the next one after that. So that's how I would get over imposter syndrome. And also, again, reminding yourself about who you've already once helped before. And I have, like I said earlier, mechanisms to almost force myself to see those things all the time from when I go to my inbox, I see the thank you folder growing. When I turn my camera, if I were to turn my camera to the side over here, you can see a wall back there behind the microphone that is all um, thank you notes from people that I posted up. And it's not for me to go, look how awesome I am. It's for me to look at when I know that I'm feeling down or just not feeling motivated to do something because either I don't believe I can do it or it's just hard. So those continual reminders are really, really important. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pat. I hope people go check out more of your stuff from podcasts, books, website, hopefully in 2021, another FlynnCon event. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) All the great things that you put in the world. And I think this is another conversation that's such a great example of the fact that you don't have to be perfect to make progress. You just have to be a little bit more courageous every day because adventure awaits.